Welcome to episode 70 of From the Shed End podcast. As always, myself, T and Theo, how are you doing? Not bad. Bit chilly in my flat at the moment, so I've got the hoodie zipped up to the neck. Um, but yeah, steadily <laughs> uh, recovering from a little cold as well. Um, but otherwise, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Doing good. Um, obviously, birthday at the weekend, another year older, as you just said before. Um, but yeah, busy weekend. Good result, good performance. We'll get onto that in a minute. But yeah, good, man. Good, good, good to actually get another episode done as well. Um, so anyone who's listening, if you're new to the podcast, um, subscribe. You can see the, the the all of it down there, the social accounts as well. Also go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where you'll be able to listen to all the previous episodes we've done as well. Um, but let's get straight into it, Theo. Let's let's I want to go all the way back. I don't want to talk about Wolves yet because I want to save a bit of that. But let's talk about the, the Champions League game early this week. Um, I said in a separate video that it was re- re- reminiscent to the Juventus game, the 4-0. Um, even the, the goals, you know, very unexpected performance, I felt. But what was your thoughts on Graham Potter, AC Milan 3-0 at the, the Sanford Bridge? It was a very impressive performance. Um, like you said, kind of had flashbacks from that um, 4-0 uh, thrashing of Juventus last season. We have to remember this is AC Milan, who are the Italian champions. They won the Serie A last year. Of course, you could feel that they were slightly weakened. They didn't have their first choice keeper in Mike Mignon. They um, didn't have Theo Hernandez, who looks like he'll be fit for the leg tomorrow, I believe. Um, Simon Shah as well. So they were missing a lot of key players on their side, but we dealt with everything they threw at us really well. I felt Silva marked Giroud out of the game perfectly. Um, Aubameyang, uh, another goal, uh, two goals on the trot now for him. I thought Fafana before he got injured was really impressive. And I thought the goals as well were fantastic. Um, I mean, sure, Fafana's one was a bit of pinball in the penalty box, but um, particularly the Aubameyang and the, the Reese James goal. I mean, we know what Reese James is capable of from that type of angle at the near post. But the Aubameyang goal was just what we've been lacking in the last few years, just a striker where you need him to be. And I think the Chilwell cross was the one that kind of, you know, it went over all everybody in the box. And then Reese James obviously put it on a plate for, for Aubameyang. But no, it was a really good performance. And I think it's something that we saw quite often with Tuchel last season as we were kind of slowly trying to hang on to a one-goal lead from time to time. Whereas last Wednesday, it just felt we were after the goals, you know. We've kind of, the third goal came very quickly after the second goal, which is something we haven't seen too often, probably not since that um, 4-0 win against Juventus. And um, yeah, and it felt like we were always kind of in control, except for maybe the first five, six minutes where I think Koulibaly gave away a couple of clumsy fouls. But otherwise, a very comfortable win. And now it puts us back in contention in, um, in Group E, which is exactly what we needed after a, a defeat and a draw in our first two games. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I thought it was a really good performance. Um, it was interesting because I think Raheem Sterling started on the right side along with, with Reese James. And I think they swapped Mount and um, Sterling over at one point. And I thought that was good because I think Liao was was obviously a, a massive threat. But going into the game, you know, I've, if, if you anyone who watches Serie A will know how good he is and the talent, we were, you know, tipped to try and get him in the summer. I think we'll probably, after the performance at Stamford Bridge, we'll, we'll probably go back in for him as well. But I thought he kept him quiet. I thought Reese James done really well. Um, you know, Sterling had a really good game. I thought Trevor Chalaber coming in, you know, he hasn't had many minutes as well when you think about, um, you know, when Thomas Tuchel just at the back end of his his time at Chelsea and obviously Graham Potter hasn't really used Trevor Chalabar as such, but he came into a, a big, important game and he put in a really good performance as well, really good shift. But one person that I thought was, I mean, for me, standout as well was Kepa. I thought, you know, a, a brilliant performance, a, a clean sheet again as well. Um, you know, something that we, we've kind of lost 
a sort of sight on or focus on. You know, Mendy done really well, um, you know, seasonals two ago with the clean sheets. And I thought Kepa um, didn't really have much to do in front of goal. But when he was called upon, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. And I thought, brilliant. But the link up with Sterling, Aubameyang, it's getting there. I think we're slowly seeing it. Something we spoke about, you know, last season, the consistency, not having, you know, those options going forward, you know, in our attacking options. And it seems like it's clicking now. It seems like we're getting, we're going to get some consistency going forward. Yeah, no, I can agree. I think just going back on Reese James, it's just after 90 minutes, there were so many Twitter posts from all the big, big football accounts of his stats and kind of praising him and kind of putting Trent Alexander-Arnold out of the contention for the for starting for England at right wing back or right back. And he was just fantastic. Like you said, um, Rafael Leal is a fantastic player, but um, Reese James dealt with him really well. And um, I just kind of like run out of words to describe him. And another player, um, Mason Mount, I thought was fantastic. He didn't score any goals, but I thought he was he, he did really well. So he kind of getting more creative. And I think that's the position that Graham Potter's playing him higher up the pitch rather than in that kind of CM role or on the wing. So um, I think um, he's done really well. And again against Wolves on um, on Saturday, I thought he had a quite an impressive performance. So I think it's um, it's very kind of reassuring the football that we're playing under Graham Potter so far for sure. I, I, I want to ask you about that. And it mm. kind of links into the Wolves game and obviously Palace as well, where we, you know, we dug deep to get the three points. But what's your initial assessment very early? Obviously, you know, we're only what, I think he's had about four, five games as, as um, manager at Chelsea. What, what do you think about Graham Potter so far? Can you see any changes from what, you know, Thomas Tuchel was trying to install into the team as to what Graham Potter's trying to, to implement now? Yeah, I mean, it's still very early. I think it's only been three or four games um, that we've seen with Graham Potter. I think four, actually. And um, obviously, the last three three games have been really impressive. Um, Palace away is always a tricky round to go to. And we we, dealt, we we did well to get the three points there. And then the last two games, uh, six goals and two clean sheets against you know a very good AC Milan side and a, a Wolf side. I don't know whether it's just the new manager bounce, which you often get with a lot of clubs. And we've seen it before with Di Matteo and Tuchel when he first came into the club. So it's maybe a bit early to say, but you know the early signs are very promising. I think um, he's getting the best out of the wing backs. He's getting the best out of attacking players as well, which is something we didn't see too much with two core. The players that were scoring with two core more often than not were our, our, our wing backs or our defenders. You just have to go back to the Wolves game. It was Havertz, Pulisic, and um, Amanda Broja. You know, three offensive players that are brought into the squad to score goals, and they scored goals. And that's something I feel like we lacked with Thomas Tuchel. Um, but still quite early. But like I said, I like what I'm seeing so far, and it's kind of given us a bit more to be um, a bit more, pro- you know, hope for the for the season uh, after the gloomy end of August and beginning of September we had. Mm. And uh, I think as well, it's helping. You know, you see Liverpool dropping points. Um, you know, United uh, are sort of up and down, and you know, you can't really tell which United's going to turn up. So I think this is probably our crucial moment to try and grab as many any po- as many points especially in the premier league but also you know champions league you know before the ac milan game they, you know i dubbed it a must win game and i think even you know tomorrow's game's more important it's going to be a, a difficult um you know comp- it's going to be a different game totally different game you know um at the san siro I, I do wonder if we if we if we do win tomorrow you know Will that kickstart the rest of the season? Because I did, I did write this season off. I said it, you know, when two calls sat that, you know, I'm writing the season off. But whatever will be, will be. But from what I've seen under Graham Potter, I'm impressed because um, it's minor tweaks. You know, the, the, he's coming to a squad which is 
obviously, you know, well-organized. It's a, it's a team that Thomas Tuchel set up perfectly anyway. Obviously, if players are down in tools or particular players aren't wanting to play for the manager, of course, it's not going to work. But we've seen differences, you know. I think even going to the Wolves game, the, the, the urgency to get onto the ball, the urgency to try and get the ball, players in the box. I mean, when was the last time we watched the game and there was, you know, three or four players in the box, um, you know, and be- no better time to talk about Wolves. But, um, you know, that, the, the whole way that we played against Wolves is brilliant. You know, I, I think the fact we rested seven or we changed seven players, you know, from a lineup that was, you know, I mean, give me your thoughts on the lineup. Let's, let's start with that because I was I was nervous going into that game. You know, you see Naspi Equeta, um, Pulisic was back in the team. You know, there was a double pivot of Loftus Cheek and uh, Jorginho as well. I mean, it was it was scary to see on on paper. You know, you look at it and you think, oh, you know, I'm not sure. You know, Pulisic coming in, Havertz up front. He hasn't really done well. But what was your thoughts on the lineup against Wolves? Yeah, I think every Chelsea fan could have predicted that lineup. Uh, a lot of the key players um, probably rested from from Milan uh, tomorrow um, had been dropped or rested. The likes of Rhys James, Kovacic, um, Thiago Silva, you know, many more. And um, it, player like Pulisic who really needed some game time and a goal for his confidence started. I thought he had a quite a poor first half, but then came into the game in the second half and that goal he scored was fantastic. You just have to look at his twists and turns and his body movement. There's some still images of him and people are like, is that prime hazard in a way of the, the way he's kind of like, he's lowered his body and his center of gravity. So I thought he was really good um, in the second half and redeemed himself. But the lineup, it worked really well. It worked really well. Obviously I was a bit nervous like you. <clears throat> But um, we're going into Milan tomorrow with Thiago Silva having not played over the weekend and rested. Rhys James, I think, got about 15, 20 minutes. Um, Kovacic as well got a bit of game time, but a lot of our key players were rested, which is what we need. And um, we got the three points. We got we got a clean sheet as well. I think credit to Asby. I think he did quite well as well on the day. Um, and Cucurella as well. I think um, he's obviously in contention now with Chilwell for that left wing back spot. And I think he put a big, big block for the one maybe goal chance that... Um, that Wolves had. So I think every player actually performed on the day. So credit to them. And I think this is something else that I wanted to touch upon with Graham Potter that quite that really impressed me in his first interview. He had um, with Chelsea, how he said um, he wants to get to know every player individually, not just what they're capable of doing on the pitch, but who they are as humans, what's going on in their personal lives and off the pitch. And from that, he can kind of get who they are as a, as a footballer and try to kind of adapt to what their, their needs and their, their demands. And it seems like he's doing that. Like just going back to Pulisic, a player that hasn't really had a lot of game time. He's had a bit of a poor for, um, start to the season. And, um, you know, the manager showed that he can, he can, try, he can rely on him and um, he, he played well. And so that's just an example of how maybe every player is going to have some game time under Potter and hopefully we'll have the kind of fallout we have with the managers um, after maybe a year and a half, two years, which seems to be a recurring theme at Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impressive. You know, I know we touched on it just slightly before, but I think it's impressive to see, you know, the flexible squad that we've got, you know, going from a back, you know, three centre-backs, uh, you know, the, the two wing-backs to a back four, um, you know, resting seven players and, and it didn't really disrupt, you know, you couldn't tell that, we, you know, we'd rested the likes of some of the players you'd named, but it, it worked, you know, it worked. Maybe we played balls at the right time, you know, no manager interim into a manager in charge, you know, Diego Costas, I don't think he'd played since December, apart from when he came on as a sub recently, um, the game beforehand. But, you know, it was, it was, it was a performance that just it surprised me how good we were. And it shouldn't surprise me because, like I said, you know, we've got a brilliant squad. So we've got some really good players in that team. Even you could all arguably call it a B team that was out there. You know, it was some of those sort of, like you said, you know, Pulisic who don't really get much game time. And, um, you know, like I said, Trevor Chalaber 
obviously a forced injury at the back foot for, for Trevor, Trevor Chalaba to come in due to Wesley Fofana. But it was just, there was no real, you couldn't look at someone and say, you know, you know, I can, we can see we've changed our defence or you can, you can see that, you know, that the midfield isn't working at all was in sync it was brilliant fluid and, and just worked and I was really impressed with Kai Havertz you know I know another player that I've, I've definitely had a lot of bad words to say about on, on the podcast but he, he done really on and off the ball you know some of the runs he makes is brilliant and it's just opens up a lot of space for, for, for players and, and, and for and for me as well seeing him play that sort of false nine or whatever you want to call it I think I've always been crit- critical of him playing there because I don't think that's his best position. But when he plays like he did on Saturday, I mean, you know, you can't fault him. What a goal as well. I mean, that 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 header is not easy. You know, it, it took a lifetime to go in the goal, but it, it's not easy. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. I feel like the keeper should have saved it. It wasn't it really in the corner. It was kind of looping in, but very slowly. And I think yeah, he was yeah. just kind of flat-footed. But, um, but no, a great technique and a, a good header. But maybe the keeper, if he kind of just made that little movement a bit early, he could have maybe got a hand to it. But credit to Havertz, he was good. Yeah, and that's, like you said, that's Biaqueta as well. I mean, there was, there was a moment, I think he he draws in a ball, like a really low mm, cross. Yeah. And I think it was Pulisic, I think, was maybe two seconds you know, a delay in his run into the box. And he, if, he, if he was there, he would have had an easy tapping. But I thought Aspiaqueta looked like, it, you know, the rest has done him good. You know, I think he's, he's obviously not played as much football as maybe Reese James or, you know, Chilwell, Cucurell. But you can tell that the rest has done him good because he, he was on the ball. He was up and down that wing like he was, you know, like it was prime Aspiaqueta again, you know. And it was good to see because I think he's going to have to play a part. Reese James can't play, you know, the whole season. He's, he's going to get burnt, burnt out. But... To, to, to utilise Aspiaqueta the way that we have so far it's, it seems to be working well but I want to talk about Mason Mount because he's someone that you just brought, brought up before but he's someone that I've criticised I'm sure we've all as Chelsea fans been frustrated more so than you know just criticising him for the sake of criticising him but he's not been putting in the performances that we know he can you said before, you know, obviously the AC Milan game, but I think even yes, uh, Saturday, you know, two assists, I think he got for, for the two goals um, out of the three that were scored. But just how good is it to see Mason Mount back at a level that we know he can be and even better as well, uh, you know, consistently going forward? Yeah, I mean, we've always said that we've never really found a player that's replaced Fabregas um, since yeah. he's left and we kind of lack that creativity. But we know that Mount on his day can bring that creativity. And like you said, two assists for the for the goals. And um, he always looked for that forward pass. I thought his set pieces were very promising. And I thought, coupled up with that AC Milan game, he's been probably, obviously he hasn't scored, so maybe he couldn't get the man of the matches. But I think he's up there. You know, he deserves a man of the match award. And he's been fantastic. And I did ask for him to be dropped earlier in the season. And I think he did deserve to be dropped at the, dropped at the time. But um, he needs to just carry on now because I always say footballers are only good as good as their last game. And he just needs to have that level of consistency now because he looked at last season, I think come January time, he kind of faded away. And then he kind of rediscovered his form in maybe April. So he just needs to kind of keep that level of consistency now in the Potter and hopefully he can, um, he can keep it up. But I just wanted to kind of bring up that one moment for me that just summed up the intensity and desire to win the ball back in the game was when I think Gallagher bullied, I think, Traore off the ball to win it back. Like, <laughs> of all players as well. I mean, exactly. besides Traore. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my highlight of the game. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I think, you know, I was really surprised with Wolves because, I, you know, I looked at the team and I thought, right, they've obviously got not got Ruben Neves, who's, a, you know, a key player for them uh, due to suspension. Diego Costa coming back to Stamford Bridge. I thought he was going to be, you know, very much like Olivier Giroud, who I thought, you know, was going to at least, you know, 
attempts to score a goal um, midweek and he never and Diego Costa I don't know if it's just the rustiness or just the fact that we're really good defensively but he just didn't really get into the game at all um, I know he was really frustrated I think just before half time, I think you could you could sense that he was obviously going to play the full ninety minutes. But it was good to see Diego Costa. I think back, obviously, the fact we won three points, I wouldn't be saying that if we'd lost. But it was good to see him get the standing ovation as well. You know, I know that the, the sort of Chelsea crowd, um, you know, applauded him off. He, he took the lap of honour as he, as yeah. I think he he would have done. He didn't really get to leave on good terms, did he? Anyway, you know, with, with um, Conte and the way it all ended. So maybe that was his kind of you know. His, his, his official goodbye from mm. Chelsea fans on Saturday. It was an interesting um, post-match, I think, interview he had. It was obviously in Portuguese, but um, the comments he made, he said, my problem wasn't with the fans, it was with that coach. And I think that coach, obviously, referring to Conte. And I think a lot of stories are coming out now on how he wanted to leave in January and then Conte said he can leave and then Abramovich had to step in and say, no, he stays until the end of the season. Mm. Come the end of the season, we all know what happened in that famous text message. So obviously he didn't really leave on the best of terms, but I think the fans still absolutely adore his passion, his energy. And like you said, he opted for the kind of um, lap of honour in front of the Matthew Harding stand. Um, so he got a great reception from the fans and I've missed those Diego, Diego chants. So it was good to see him back at the bridge and maybe he still has a, a big soft spot for Chelsea. So decided not to score in a day. <laughs> I think he does. I think you could tell he was, I think he was more excited. He was getting, you know, the, the plaudits as he was coming off than he was actually playing for Wolves, to be honest. I think he, he you know, he obviously, you know, he wanted, he wanted to, to win and score goals um, for any team. But I think, you know, he, he needs to, he needs to try and get scoring. I think he's still got a lot of goals in him, but obviously not against Chelsea. But just before we get on to AC Milan tomorrow, and this is not the lineup, by the way. So this is just, it's pre-populated. So don't worry. Um, just before we get on to AC Milan, Armando Brozier scored his first goal. Um, been at the club since I think eight. You know, what a, what a time to to get your goal. And Great it was a finish. goal as well. Great finish as well. There's I think a video that overlaps with I think a Diego Costa goal that was scored yeah. at Stamford Bridge, and it's almost identical. And um, I was gutted when I thought it'd be uh, it'd be ruled out with VAR, but yeah, um, yeah. but luckily it was a. He timed his run perfectly and it was a great finish. And that's slowly now we're seeing this season that we've, we've got these offensive players that can score goals when you give them the opportunity. The likes of Aubameyang, Brozier, Havertz now slowly finding his shooting boots. And if Pulisic can mount, carry on in this form, then hopefully they can get on the score sheet as well. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, as I said, this is pre-populated. So anyone who's watching this, we haven't had some sort of crisis and we're trying to play Gallagher at left wing back it's literally pre-pop I don't know why they do it like this but let's go through and try and predict our lineup for tomorrow because I think I think I me personally I would stick with Kepper in goal I think he deserves it whether you you agree or disagree with that but I would put Kepper in goal um I, I, I'm very reluctant to ever change my goalkeeper if they're in form and he's in form now and I think it's unfortunate for Mendy but you know this is what happens when you get injured, you know, or you, you, you're out of form and it's probably coming at the right time for Mendy. But what's your thoughts on the goalkeeper for tomorrow? No, I agree. Can't drop a, your keeper that's performing well, especially for one of the biggest games of our season, which is AC Milan next, um, uh, tomorrow night. And I could determine who, fin- who tops the group in the end. So I'd start Kepa. I think he's been brilliant with his feet as well. He looks a lot more confident. And we know that Potter back at Brighton relied on Sanchez to play the ball out of the box with his feet. And it looks like uh, Kepa's his man for that now. So I think he will retain his spot. And at least until the World Cup, I think he'll be Potter's number one. Yeah, I, I agree. And obviously we haven't mentioned it, but um, Selena is, is flying over. 
Uh, I think the MLS is is practically over now. I think it, it's it's done. So he's I think in the next two weeks he's flying over um, to join up with the squad as well. So you know there's more competition. You know for for the for the you know the, the jersey between the sticks. So it could it could be trouble for Mendy, and I don't mean that in a way that he's not good enough. But I think when you've got Kepa who's in form, obviously Selena's coming into the squad not to go out alone. He's going to be part of the squad. So you could you could spell trouble for for Mendy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, rightfully, I mean, if had he not be injured, I could have would have asked for him to be dropped, particularly after those I think Leeds and Southampton Pounds. games where he looked poor. But we do have to remember we've got a game, two games every week now, midweek fixtures where sometimes we may have to rotate, and there will be more injuries. We've got the World Cup. If I'm not mistaken, there's an African Cup of Nations again sometime next year as well. Maybe not actually of the World Cup, and I may be getting confused. But um, but yeah, I think it'll be good to have that healthy competition amongst the two. But for now, it's got to be Kepa. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. Um, what are we doing? Are we going for a back five? Are we trying to shove in, I don't know, Ch- Chalabar and maybe Kukurea at, le- at left centre back? Or are we going to go for a back four? I think... I think it's like we, we play a lot of hybrid formations as a pot and it kind of changes mid-game. It seems to be almost like a like a 2-2-2 two, two, two at times um, mm. in the offensive lines. But uh, I think... We have to remember we're going to be dealing with Theo Hernandez tomorrow, who's a brilliant left back. And I think we need to play Reese James where he, the position he knows best, which is right wing back, in my opinion, uh, to deal with the threat of Theo Hernandez. So I would stick with a back three to start off the game, at least. Um, yeah. Whether it's Shearwell or um, Cucurella, a left wing back, I'll, I'll pass it back over to you because I think they both kind of deserve to kind of start the games. I, I, I would go with Cucurella. Um Defensively, I like him. Uh, I like both. I don't. I, it's, it, I mean, we talk. We we we're talking fine margins between the two of them. I think they're both really good. The pair of them. I just think maybe going forward, Kukurea will offer you a little bit more. But they're both good defensively, so I would stick with Kukurea. But I mean, it's great in part. I mean, he's just said in his press conference, you know, you're gonna have to wait and see how we line up tomorrow, and he never gives anything away at all. So. I, I think he would go with Kukurea. I, I don't even know if he'll go for the free centre-back. So he, he might change it to the four-two-two-two. But hmm. personally for me, I think it's going to be a completely different game to what we we uh, we witnessed at Stamford Bridge. I think it's going to be a difficult game. Um, you know, AC Milan are, I think they're mid, not mid-table, but I think they're just outside the sort of Champions League spots in the Serie A, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, they're kind of in and out of form, but I think they'll be really up for this game the way that we we beat them uh, midweek. So I'd go with Kukurea because he offers a bit more going forward and again, defensively. But um, centre-backs, now, I mean, this is kind of, it, it kind of, if we're going for free, it limits our choices because of obviously, you know, Wesley Fofana being injured. But as I said before, no, another option is to maybe do you play Kukurea as your, your left-sided centre-back in Chilwell as your wing-back it's an option. I think having Chiwell on the bench could possibly bring him on in the second half and then switch Cucurella amongst the, the three or kind of change the formation completely. But I think keep Chiwell on the bench, Cucurella left wing back, and I think my back three would have to be Kulabali, Silva and Chiloba. I think, like I said, Silva was rested um, against Wolves um, probably for this game. I think Kulabali again, had a very solid game um, despite the shaky start he had against AC Milan but I think he redeemed yeah. himself in the, the rest of that game and against Wolves and I think Chaloba coming in for Fana who got injured he hasn't really set, um, set a foot wrong in a way so I think he deserves to kind of um, keep his um, spot in the starting 11 
Yeah, I'd agree. And I think, as I say, I think it kind of limits your options. You know, um, Fafana had a really good game against these AC Milan. It was a shame, um, you know, four-week injury, which will, will lay him off pretty much almost up until, you know, um, just before the World Cup. But it's, it's, it's a difficult one because I think Chalabar thrives in big games, you know, and it's unfortunate for him that he's not been able to get as much game time as he would. But I think he, he'll step up tomorrow. I think he's, you know, he's working. He's got two, you know, Reese James is real experienced defensively and you've got arguably the the best centre-back probably in the world right now, one of the best centre-backs in the world right now alongside you in Thiago Silva. So yeah. he's in good hands. And Chiloba, I think there's some statistics. Every time he started, we've never lost a game. I think it's, I think, eight defeats and about 19 wins, something like that. So it yeah. could be a good statistic to bring into the San Siro and again, to, for Kulabali, he would know these AC Milan players. He was only at Napoli last season. He would have played a lot against this, uh, these AC Milan players. So hopefully he also knows how to defend against their their, their strikers. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd stick with that back three. Yeah, it's sensible. And I agree mm-hmm. with that 100%. Now, this is where it gets difficult because mm. Zakaria has not kicked a football for us and I'm still scratching my head this is just literally I think he came out and did some sort of interview I don't know where it was whether it was for, for Chelsea uh, fifth stand or who's a sort of um, independent reporter but he kind of alluded to the fact that the deal was done in the last six hours of the window and it was you know really quick so it almost tells us that it's the panic from Chelsea that we needed to get some someone in that cover almost sell again you know so it's a, a sell move it seems even worse because he's not actually getting a game. But would you would you risk him in a game where would you, where he hasn't played no. any football for us, or would you stick with you know, Kovacic? And you know, I didn't think Kovacic had a really good game um, against AC Milan, if I'm honest. And I don't think I think he came on against Wolves, and I, I still think he's not 100. Mm, percent No, I definitely wouldn't risk um, Zakaria. Zakaria, um, and I think it felt like a very, like you said, a very panic by um, signing. Yeah like you said, a Sounder signing or even a Arthur signing at Liverpool. Um, players are just yeah, really yeah. kind of were bought in last minute to make up the numbers. But um, I don't know, still, that one that might get reviewed in January, will we keep hold of him or not? A very two-course, maybe it was a two-course signing as well and doesn't really fit into Potter's plans. And I think the fact that Potter bought on um, Carney against yes. um, Wolf yep, yep. and not Zakaria, then that's an indication that massive red flag. Massive red flag. Um, but again, we've got a lot of cup games maybe coming up. Um, I think it's the, the League Cup games start in November against City. That's a chance for him maybe to step in. A lot of midweek games. I think Brentford <laughs> midweek next next week. So could be yeah. a chance for him. But no, I wouldn't risk him in a game like this. Um, I had to ask the question just in case yeah, you said, exactly. yeah. But but I mean, I, I think he's, yeah, he's, he was a two-goal sign and it was a panic buy. You know, he clearly doesn't fit into what Potter um, is trying to build at the club. So I'm, I'm sure I read that we've got some sort of clause where we, you know, an, uh, an option to buy, which I'm sure we won't activate at all, seeing as he can't even get on. You know, like you said, you know, Carney, Ch- Ch- uh, Chocomeca, you know, was coming on before him, who again, you know, didn't get much minutes, um, you know, on the Saturday, but very impressed with him. But what, what, what would your your two in midfield? What would your your? T- I mean, this is this is difficult because do you do you go with Jorginho, Kovacic or Kovacic Loftus Cheek? It's it's a difficult one. I can never decide on this. It is difficult because I feel like Jorginho has been playing a lot of football, but I think he's almost been an unsung hero at times. Um, he was very solid against Wolves. He always picked a forward pass. He won the ball back many times. Um, I think I, I think would Kov- stick. Kovacic 
done really well as well. And he, yeah. I think he assisted uh, Brojo. True. I think I would stick for with the two that are on screen, maybe Loftus-Cheek and Kovacic, with the option, obviously, to bring um, Jorginho on and maybe switch to a 2-2-2. Two, two, two. But for now, I think... Uh, yeah, I would stick with those two. I'm not sure what your, your double pivot would be in midfield. See, I'm all... I don't know, because I... I, I like that and I like the fact that Loftus-Cheek's almost thriving in that position now he's doing really well. I just think it's it's going to need Loftus-Cheek to be really switched on in that midfield. Um, the reason I say that is because Kovacic does tend to, to, to like to drift a bit more forward. And I think if you're, you know, you leave Loftus-Cheek isolated with an AC in that midfield and obviously their attacking options going forward, you, you know, and maybe that's a good option for going for the free centre-backs as well. But mm. I agree. I think it's a good choice. I think I'm just trying to talk myself around it, but I, I would go with that too. I think. He has a physical presence as well. He'll be good for defending set pieces. We have to remember his height and his build, um, something that Kovacic and Jorginho maybe do lack a little. So, yeah, I think I'd stick with Loftus-Cheek and another player um, like um, like Chilobo, who hasn't really set, you know, we were talking in the summer about maybe him going out on low and selling him. But I think we did really well to keep hold of him because he seems to be playing every single game um, at the moment and he's been really promising. He's just missing those goals now. Yeah, yeah. And I think they'll come, you know. They I think will they'll come, come, yeah. He's, you know, I think he's, he's he's one of these players, I forget, he's still relatively uh, young, you know, in terms of football and the career that he's still got ahead of him. So I think he's, um, you know, he's developing as a player and I think he's definitely becoming a bit more... Um, you know, you can play in multiple positions now. You know, you see him sometimes at right wing back or you can see him, I think he's played false nine a few times mm. for us as well. So, you know, he's got the, the you know, the flexibility to to play a, a number of positions. But I think that where he's playing alongside a Kovacic or, you know, a Jorginho or eventually Kanzo when he comes back, you know, he can only get better. Uh, you know, I think he, I, I would stick with that too there. But going forward, um I mean that. I mean that is probably our best. I, I don't like Mason Mount on the right. I never. Yeah. I, I I prefer him more central where we played on Saturday. And as we've just said before, very effective going forward. But can you afford to leave Mason Mount out in that form, or do you have him? You know, could you sit him maybe in the middle of those and then have a two of Sterling and Abamyang? I mean, I, I I don't know. It's it's really hard to understand what Graham Potter would do, but. That's probably the option for me because it allows again, you know, Mason Mount can come back here and this this space here is where I think he does a lot of his work. Um, mm. you know, the running around, the pressing. He he lo- he does that more from a central role for me, but I don't, I don't know what you think. Yeah, he always does a lot better behind the kind of number nines or centre forwards than than on the wing. Um I do like that front three of Mount, Sterling and Abamyang in those positions that you've you've put them in there, but we're not playing any of our goal scorers from Saturday who will be confident, mm. full of form. You know, there's no habits in there. There's no Brozier. Arguably deserves a chance to play this one while he's come off the bench. Pulisic will be another one to be upset that he's not starting this one. But I think just purely on the kind of creativity that Mount brings, he needs to start. And Abamyang, like I said, two goals in two games, didn't play a single minute against Wolves. So he'll be full of energy. And Sterling as well, he can just improve on his decision-making and he's a bit mm. under, in, indecisive around the penalty box. And he's, we know he's a fantastic player. So I think um, I would stick with those three, unfortunately, for the three goal scorers on, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. I think it's it's really unfortunate because all three of them, 
if we're talking about based on how they played on Saturday, deserve to be in the team. I think even I hate leaving Conor Gallagher out of these teams mm-hmm. because I think yeah. he's another player that you know where Mount is now. He thrives there as well for me. He's someone who, um, you know, again does the pressing, does the dirty work that Mount does as well. And I, I think you're right. I think you know Sterling will start for me. Bamiyang, you know, fresh, you know, two fresh players, and it's it's, it's going to be so important to get that early goal in the San Siro, the longer the game goes on nil-nil or, you know, we're chasing, you know, if AC Milan score, score early, it is going to be difficult to get in that game. The the, the atmosphere, you can only imagine, is going to be intense anyway. Um, but I think that's, I think that would be my lineup. I, hmm. I'm still a bit, do we need Jorginho? He's very more, I think Jorginho, I think he's very more a d- defensive midfielder. Um, he's got a defensive mindset and I just, I just worry that, there's going to be gaps for AC Milan to capitalise on. And if we go 1-0 down, I think we crumble because it's, it's a San Zero. I mean, it's it's a San Zero. And yeah. I don't need to say anymore. I've been to that stadium. It's got quite a hostile atmosphere. And I sat with the ultras out there once and you know, I had to kind of <laughs> very loud and passionate. And uh, once they scored tell one the goal, story as well. Yeah, I saw the ultras. It was AC Milan against Arsenal in Europa League, I think, 2018. So I was fully for AC Milan. I'd the as well. I'd, I'd risk my life if it meant to sit in the Arsenal stands as well. Uh, I think my mate gave me an AC Milan scarf, so I fitted in quite well. <laughs> but um, yeah, but no, intense ground. And uh, I know that the Chelsea fans will be in full voice tomorrow. A lot of Dennis Wise songs uh, being uh, yeah, chanted yeah. around the stadium. Um, but yeah, like you said, one if we go 1-0 down, there will be pressure on us. And I did say that whoever wins this game, it feels like they'll be the favourites to maybe top the group. Mm. And it will kind of go down to the wire, I think, on the last ma- match day, which is not too long away now, I think. Yeah, because I was, I was trying to work that out. I think, obviously, we'll have uh, maybe, is it so- uh, Salzburg, then Zagreb is our last game? I think, I think there's, a break, there's a break next week because we've got Brentford on, yeah, yeah. I think, the yeah. Wednesday. And then it's Salzburg away the following week. And I don't, I don't know how quickly after um, Zagreb at home comes about. But, um, but yeah, obviously, World Cup mid-November you're going to have to kind of get these fixtures played as quickly as possible so um, so it's going to be an intense schedule but every single one of these games now is a must win I agree I agree with you I think as well though like you you kind of touched on it before that Mm. it allows us to bring some of our subs you know you just mentioned there you know Conor Gallagher Kai Havertz uh, you know Christian Pulisic these players are are in form they've scored they're doing well it gives them the option to come in and, and change the game if we need to as well. Like you said as well, Ben Chilwell's an option. We could. One of my worries, I think, is overusing certain players. You know, I think this is why it was crucial to rest Silva. It was probably crucial to rest Sterling, one of the players that I've said before, if we're not careful. We, you know, I think he's probably, if not started all our games, I think he's played the majority of the minutes. I think he's subbed off maybe one or two games. But, you know, he's someone that we really do need as much as, his decision making isn't the best, but he's one of those players that gives you something extra. You can take a man on, you know. You can one v ones. You'd put money on him to beat someone. He's just it's his final sort of cross into the box, or he doesn't take the shot. Or he takes too much touches, but he's someone for me that has to be uh, fresh. You know, we've got to keep mm-hmm. him fresh. Abamyang as well. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised he didn't start against Wolves. If I'm honest, because he's in good form. He said two, two and two. And I would have expected him to start. He didn't need to. Obviously, we won 3-0, but you'd expect to try and keep that momentum going. Maybe sub him off. You know, if you're 3-0 up, you sub him off and give him, you know, 30-minute rest. But if we if we do win tomorrow, let's let's do our predictions. If we do win tomorrow, um, relatively easy games after that. 
Obviously, Zagreb have got to come to Stamford Bridge. It was very, again, another hostile stadium in Croatia. But if we win tomorrow, what would the scoreline be? I, I've actually, I've got my doubts if we win. <clears throat> I think it's a must, <laughs> it's a must not lose game rather than a must not win. Because the last thing we want is Milan picking up points on us. Um, yeah. I think if we win, it will be a very slight margin. Uh, like I said, the, how intense the San Siro can be. So I think it would be maybe a 2-1 or a 1-0. But that being said, Milan will score. So it's more likely a 2-1. But my prediction would have to be a 1-1 potentially. I think there's goals for both teams. But I think both teams will play quite conservative football in the hope that they you know, they don't try to um, concede goals. And I did mention Theo Hernandez coming back from Milan, which would be a huge boost for them, um, on especially on that left, um, left flank. Um, so he'll offer a lot of um, offensive uh, threats for them. But yeah, I think I'm going to go with 1-1 and just fingers crossed that we just don't lose to them. That's what matters, I think. I, I think we're going to win. I really do. I like, I think, I like the confidence. I, no, and I think we do. I think had we not started so well on the par, you know, obviously the first game, the Salzburg game, you know, you're still finding your feet, you're, you know, you're, you're fresh. I think it was very fresh into the game. Um, that pause in between those games as well because of... Um, you know, I think we didn't play a game for a month in the Premier League. Thought some of them were postponed, etc. And I think that helped Graham Potter understand his team a bit more. And we're seeing the effects of mini that. preseason and well, it acted as a mini preseason. You felt, yeah, yeah. yeah there was a few, I think there's a few um, behind closed doors games as well. Mm. I think there was one or two at least. Um, I'm sure, we lost one of them actually. But yeah, I think it's. Um, I think you can see the slight tweaks and changes that Potter's brought in and he's installing. And I don't think, I think the players are playing with confidence. Um, you know, they want to, they look like they want to play for him. And I know it's AC Milan and I've just said about the atmosphere, but I just think if we don't, if we can handle the pressure of that, I think we, I think we win. I think we can win 2-1. I think we can win 2-1. I think, I think it'd be difficult to keep a clean sheet, but, you know, 2-1, I'll take it at the San Siro. I think, yeah, if we score first, then it will be a win for us. But if we concede first and we're chasing the game, it could be a completely different story. Um, but yeah, I like the confidence and I do think we've got it in us to win it. But I just think maybe on a day we'll, we'll miss a couple of chances. But, um, but yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, we're, we're fourth in the Premier League. We're second in our group. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I, w- I, I wouldn't even have, have you know, I, I couldn't see it happening. So the fact that we're in the Champions League spots, yes, we're only, what, nine games into into the Premier League and you know we should be getting out of that group if we're being honest the Champions League group it's not a group that we should be struggling or we should be talking about you know getting into the Europa or dropping out Europe completely I think we should we should be getting out of that group 100% so there's no ifs or buts about that so I think we it, yes it's a must tomorrow but it's not it's not the all and end if we don't because I think you know we've still got two more games. That's our safety net. You know, we're not relying on this game to, to go through. So I'm confident. Um two one. I know you said one one. So normally I think one of us is normally right out of the two of us at least. Um, you know, one in six games we normally get it right. So let's hope one of us is right tomorrow and at least we don't lose the game. Um but as I said, then let's quickly flash it back up on the screen. That's the squad that we're going for, the team that we're going for for tomorrow. Um, I think it's a winner. I think that's a winner. I can't see any flaws in that at all. So that's what we're going to go with tomorrow. Um, As always, don't forget, you can subscribe to the channel.